Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Uh, we have, have three things that I know I really want to touch on. And then um, it's really cool. Not just the three things, but this idea that we're reading something written 2,000-ish years ago. And yet, it doesn't matter how many times you read it. If you read it with an open eye, an open heart, he reveals a new nugget every single time. The Bible is not a book you read once and put it on the shelf and say, hey, that was a good one, and end it. It's something that you continually meditate on because every time you dive into it, it decides to, like, like a flower, uh, have a new bloom that takes place. And you see something new every single moment. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump right in. God, I just thank you that today is a wonderful day. It's a wonderful day because you made this day, and everything you make is good. Even when sometimes we, we go through things that are uncomfortable or not our desires, they are, uh, when we're walking in your will, everything turns out good because it's who you are. And I just thank you today, O oh Holy Spirit, that as we, we start this and finish chapter one of Acts, that you open us to hear every nugget that you have for us. Personalize it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, one thing that is every preacher and, and, and minister has their own styles and they have their own little nuances. And one thing that I will tell you over the past couple of years, uh, how I preach has changed. Um, it's changed because now, to be honest, uh, I don't really teach topically, um, which there's nothing wrong with that, but you've you, you got to go bigger than topically. Um, but every time I preach, it's now about me. I know that sounds very selfish, but honestly, I write this because this is what God has revealed to me about me. Um, I don't think I've had a message recently where God revealed something to me about you. It's about me, and I continually am doing uh, my due diligence to grow. And here's the way I want to take it today, if you will, is I'm going to preach to myself the what I learned for myself. I can't customize this for everyone, but I want you to, as if you were a minister, understand where you're going with this passage. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus, at the very beginning, is, he has died, and for 40 days he walked with his disciples. In the first 11 verses of Acts chapter 1, we see him doing wonderful things. He explains to him one of the big to them one of the biggest things is this is that and not too many days from now you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's interesting to me though because earlier in the gospels he breathed the Holy Spirit on them. So did they not receive it? Like didn't they already have it? And this is the beautiful part of, of what's taking place. Jesus announces to us all, I must leave so that I can send the fullness. Isn't it interesting that when he breathed the Holy Spirit onto them, they didn't have the fullness of it. 
Yet, they cast out demons. They laid hands on the sick. They were able to prophesy. They were able to do all the things. Yet, they haven't received the fullness yet. He's promising a fullness. Next week, we'll talk about what that looks like. The men want to know if Jesus is bringing back his kingdom. He says it's not your place to know what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. But the Father makes that call. But he tells them to do something very important. You go to Jerusalem and wait. Where did he tell them to go? Where in Jerusalem did he tell them to go? He didn't tell them to go anywhere. He said, go to Jerusalem. It's kind of vague. This is what happens in verse 12. Then they return to Jerusalem from the mount they call Olive, which is near Jerusalem. It's a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, the son of, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, Mary, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples altogether, number, numbering of names was about 120, and said, Men and brethren, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst open, such a great verse, in the middle, and all of his entrails gushed out. Yay. Verse 19. And it became known to all of those dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field has, is called their own language, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. Therefore... Of these men who have accompanied us all this time, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day where he was taken up from us. Of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed two. Joseph, whose surname was Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go into his own place? And they cast their lots, and the lots fell on Matthias. And now he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Great. So where do you write a message out of this? Well, let's start. I love this idea that the Jesus tells the disciples to go to Jerusalem. They then leave and go back into the upper room. In some versions it says a house, a upper room, but the actual Greek says, it's got an important part, the upper room. Uh, to have the upper room would signify an importance in that location. Does anybody want to guess the importance of that location? Because just a month previous, Jesus sat in that very room and he broke bread with them. He shared wine with them and he told them of all the things that are about to take place to himself. I, I, 
I love this, that Jesus says to go to Jerusalem and wait, and yet they find themselves going to a place where they've already been. Have you ever heard God tell you to do something very vague? What do you do? Or how about this? Let's ante it up a little bit. How about God speaks to you something specific, and then he goes radio silent? Has that ever happened to anybody? He tells you a job you are supposed to take. You feel his presence. You hear his voice. You've got confirmation. You go and take the job, and he's gone. He puts in his two weeks notice and takes a vacation. You find yourself in a relationship. You buy the house. You buy the car. Whatever it is that's going on, you seek his face. You get a word from God, and then Jesus disappears. What do you do? How do you handle yourself in the silent times between when he speaks to you and when his word is revealed to you? This is where maturity kicks in full swing. How am I going to handle myself in the in-between? God is continually speaking truth to us. He's continually speaking direction to us. And it seems like we start walking where he wants us to walk. And then he backs off. And we're like, no, you need to keep speaking to give me more confirmation. But can I tell you, there's a moment in every one of your lives where you grow up and you go, whatever he spoke, I will accomplish it until he tells me to do something else. They went and they stood. And they didn't just go to any place. I love this. They go back to the place where they've already had an encounter with God. This is where we miss it so many times. So many times we hear God speak, God to do something, God to do whatever. And we go, we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater and we're starting over. But what Jesus is continually going is saying, where were you encountering me last? And you wait there until you get new orders. He did not need to be specific because their hearts were already leading them to a place where he's already encountered them before. And this is a problem that we see ourselves in, just like the children of Israel did, is when, they're, when they were caught in the wilderness between the promised land and between the, 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 the issues in Egypt, they would find themselves in the in-between. And how you handle yourselves in the in-between will determine the volume of glory that you have in the next season of life. It's not in God giving you a word. That's on God. And it's not when the word is fulfilled. That's on God. What my place in this is what I do in the tension between the promise and the revelation of said promise and how I handle myself in the in-between will determine so much. Because the fight with the enemy is never at the promise. The fight with the enemy is never at the fulfillment of the promise. The fight with the enemy is always between my ears and the journey between two points. And how I walk will determine everything. 
And what the disciples found themselves is that Jesus, uh, I love this, I love the fact that he didn't go and you will receive the Holy Spirit in 30 minutes. Run. No. In some days from now. In other words, you will have multiple opportunities without my presence to talk yourself out of doing the simple things. How hard is it to sit upstairs? That sounds great. You telling me I could just like just hang out? Can I tell you it was one of the most difficult moments of the disciples' lives because in their minds we're all together and we're sitting ducks. Jesus sent us back to the place where he was betrayed back to the place where they know we hang out. And just to wait? How much longer do we have to wait? You're going to tell me they didn't hear rumors? They didn't hear stories? They didn't hear about guards looking for them or the temple, uh, the, 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 the Sanhedrin giving threats? But Jesus said to wait. There's chaos going around, but Jesus said to wait. Everyone around is going crazy, but Jesus said to wait. Peter, who's wanting to do everything, is doing the most difficult thing, and that is sitting still and shutting up. Because Jesus says to wait. But they're not just waiting in vain. It says that they were gathered with one accord doing two things, spending time in prayer and supplication. Can I tell you, prayer does two things. Two things. I can break it down into 15 subcategories, but it comes down to two, to two main things. Your prayers will change things, or your prayers will reveal things. We have this notion that we're going to pray and God's going to go, well, I guess i got to give them what they want. As if it's a Christmas wish list on Santa's lap. See, the prayers that you pray that God changes things are God-given prayers because it's with his word. The idea of prayer that is meant to just be about me, God has no obligation to ever answer said prayer. Ever. God will stick to his word. And prayers that change environments are prayers that line up with his will. These prayers do change things. Prayers overcome things. Prayers change atmospheres. Prayers set up and tear down. We see numerous times throughout the Old Testament and the New that they would pray and something would happen. They would pray for the sick and they would get healed. That's a change. We see in the Old Testament that they would pray against uh, certain rulers and they would die. That's a change. But can I tell you, just as important as everything being changed, a prayer that reveals will change everything too. Because a prayer that changes out there is great, but a prayer that reveals changes in here. When God reveals what's going on, it changes me. 
See, maybe we shouldn't always just be praying, God, do this against that person. God, do that against that that government official. God, do this and do that. But also, God, hey, if you're not going to do something, reveal the why to me. Why are you doing this, God? That's That's not a bad prayer to pray. Daniel spent 21 days fasting and prayer, and you know what changed? Nothing. But God revealed to Daniel what God was going to do. And it shifted Daniel's perspective on what needs to take place. See, the, the disciples understood this and they're praying. God, do something or reveal something. Let us know what you're doing or God, change what's going on. It's not always my decision to determine what kind of prayer that I pray, but praying his will over every situation is not vague and it's not weak. It's looking at a situation and going, God, if you know what's what's going on, so if it's a bad thing, we rebuke it. And God, if it's a new thing in me that needs to be revealed, reveal it because I never want to find myself in the darkness. Because a prayer that reveals something is a prayer that I can get behind even if it's not what I think should happen. The audacity that I have that every time I go before God, I'm as if coaching him on what he should be doing. You know, God, you really should be doing X, Y, and Z here. Like, I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if you understand what's happening with Marsha, but I know you're busy and all, but you really need to sit down with it and take, some, take, take care of it. He's had that prayer, yeah. (laughs) I know you're busy, God, and this slipped through the cracks, but I want to bring something to your attention. Nothing slips through his cracks. Nothing slips through underneath and gets away with anything. But sometimes it seems like God allows, if you will, Things that are uncomfortable. Has anybody gone through this? But yet I've also realized that when I kept my heart right, he revealed the why. Sometimes we go through uncomfortable situations because of consequences of our own actions. Sometimes we go through uh, rough situations because of consequences of other people's actions. And sometimes we go through rough moments because change needs to happen inside of me. And, I, and, and I've heard great, well-meaning pastors get up and go, God's just testing you to see what's in your heart. He already knows what's in my heart. He's not sitting there going, I wonder what Bill's going to do this time. You guys want to take the odds over under? I got two to one that he's going to crack. Anybody want to take those bets? No, Bill knows. God knows what's going on. But you know, the one person that doesn't know my heart, me, the Bible tells me that my heart is deceitfully wicked. That's comforting. (laughs) God knows my heart. Yeah, it's wicked. Your heart's not good. And yet, when I'm trying to make prayers from my heart, how many times is it really the heart of the Father versus the heart of my desires. 
And that's where you find yourselves on the in-between, that they're praying for God's will to be done. We can go back to the, to the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we see this, this, this prayer as a template for us to look and go, God, you're holy. God, you're great. God, you're worthy. I'm changing my perspective off of the problem to put it on how big you are. God, your kingdom come because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm chasing after the will of the king. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, not what's currently taking place. I understand. I see darkness. I see wickedness. I see it all. But God, your will needs to be done, and I'm praying that your will be done. I don't know how you're going to do your will. I'm not going to tell you how to do your will. I'm not going to tell you who to kill to get your will done. But God, you can do your will. So God, your will be done. Not my will. Not what I want, because I want to kill them. Not my will because I want death and destruction. Not my will because I want you to do something bad to them so that I feel better about myself. Not my will. Because what happens, time out, what happens when your enemies get blessed and saved? And no punishment takes place. What's my heart going to do then? What's my heart going to be like when the person that has been persecuting me, all of a sudden, God's goodness leads them to repentance? And there's no punishment, but they get promoted. God, not my will. Because a lot of the times, God, if I'm going to be honest, my will is probably wicked. Wickedness, a wicked will, is not a will that is possessed by the devil. It's just anything that doesn't live up to God's standards. When the Bible tells us that our hearts are sinful, that we are sinful, sin is, we're missing the mark. Can I tell you, you ever gone target shooting? It, it, it doesn't matter if you miss the target by this much or by 25 feet, you don't get any points. Well, I was closer than Bill. This is where we are finding ourselves. My, my heart is wicked, right? My heart is not right. Right? I submit myself to God to continually purge me so that I'm walking in holiness. That's what we call the refiner's fire. It's not a fun prayer to pray, but it's the facts. Because we want to live our lives on a sliding scale where I'm not that bad. God knows my heart as long as I'm better than Nathan. We, we have this spiritual mindset that we're getting chased by a bear. I, I can't outrun the bear. I just got to outrun Bill. So what am I going to do to help even my odds? I'm going to kick him in his knees. I'm going to make sure he falls hard in front of everything and everyone so the bear sees Bill and I can keep running. No, because this is what church people do on a regular basis. Can I tell you, just in prayer, about Marsha? 
Y'all understand this is what gossip does. Gossip is, oh no, I'm starting to look bad. I need to make them look worse. But prayer reveals things. It reveals my heart. Because when God does what God does, almost every single time, I have to deal with something. There's two things I actually have to deal with. Number one, he doesn't consult me. And number two, he doesn't do it the way that I want him to do it. And so I have to deal with something. You think Daniel was super excited about the prophetic word that he received? No. He doesn't jump for joy. But it reveals what's going on. And can I tell you, if I was to tell you today that there is going to be, that God revealed a total economic collapse, that God revealed that there was going to be a foreign nation to come in and everything was going to change, this is his revealed word, and I find myself dealing with a situation where I'm now bitter at God, I find myself more loyal to America than I am to the cross. Isn't that the craziest thing? Well, God wouldn't do that. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. You know, there's been a lot of kingdoms that have fallen over the past, you know, few thousand years. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, but if I find myself with anything that makes me bitter at God because he didn't do it my way, that now thing is my God, not him. We digress. Okay. So they prayed with supplication. Supplication simply is in this context meaning, God, you revealed something to us, i.e. filling of the Holy Spirit. We praise you for what you're about to do. We don't know when you're going to do it. We don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. So we seek you on what you've promised us. Running out of time. Verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Fun fact, this is the last time Mary is ever mentioned. And I think it's interesting that his brothers are up there. Read the New Testament. His brothers weren't big fans of his. Called him a lunatic. One time they approached him because he was getting fame and they wanted him to do like a, a book tour to make some money. And he said, no, we're going the opposite direction. And they got mad at him. How dare you? And now they're here. I think that little section right there speaks so much to me that his own brothers would be there. Why? Because now they believed. One of the big things that I love about how Jesus' relationship is with his family is he doesn't need their approval to be who he's called to be. 
And this is where a lot of the times we fall, is that we have this group, if they would just recognize the call on my life and what God's trying to do. How about this? How about you live the life that God's called you to live and let the cards fall where they may? How about this? They didn't believe till after he had left. Sometimes your family and the things you're fighting for won't change till after you're gone. But fight. Keep pushing. Can you imagine being one of his brothers? That'd be horrible. And the fact that he went first. Well, Mom, I'm really struggling with this. Well, you know what? What would Jesus do? Talk about pressure. (laughs) In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be revealed, fulfilled by the Holy Spirit, which before the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. That phrase has bothered me all week. Because Judas was a guide. How about this? Did you know you're a guide? That your life is continually leading people somewhere. A lot lot of times we talk about our, our spiritual guides and role models and all these people but can I tell you it doesn't matter if you're good or bad you're a guide you are continually leading people somewhere Judas led them to destruction if everybody was to follow your life right now would they live closer to Christ or towards destruction we live in a world now where reality TV is huge if your life was perpetually on camera? Would it lead people to the cross? Or would it reveal how far away you are from the cross? That's, that went over well. All right. He was a guide of destructions. This past week, we had some wonderful ladies come up and pull weeds and I'm sitting there down at the gym we're pulling weeds and 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 then right by the door there's this a ton of weeds and I'm like the heck like there's no grass here but then I realized that every weed comes from one other weed And a weed is never content with being there. It only is content by spreading. Its purpose is to wreak havoc wherever it goes. Since Genesis chapter 3, its purpose was to spread and conquer. And this is an issue because in Judas, it doesn't say that Judas was wicked. It says that there was iniquity found within. There was something wrong. There's, there's, there's something small. You know what? There was something wrong with Peter too. The big difference is, is that Peter was the type of man that was willing to pluck the weed. Judas was the type of man that wants to just cover it up. 
And you can cover up the weeds that are growing on the inside only for so long before it blows back and we see that you don't have the beautiful garden you think you have, but it's nothing but weeds. How about this? Even if there wasn't a weed currently in there, there will be because the air carries the seeds. In the atmosphere, it is continually looking for soil to settle upon somebody. The enemy is always looking for opportunity to sow a seed inside of you. Nine times out of ten, he's looking for disappointment. He's looking for some form of a, 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 an open door to, to, to be able to plant some seeds because, yeah, sure, one day you may be okay. I've been disappointed before. I've gone through a hard time before. And the next day I woke up and I was perfectly fine. But for a good 12 hours, I was angry. I was bitter. I was saying things I shouldn't say. And then all of a sudden I got it all out, big air quotes, and I moved on with my life. And I've asked myself numerous times, how many times in my life have I allowed the enemy to have a 12-hour seed planting window and then I close the door as if it never happened. All the while, it's germinating behind closed doors. We see when Judas gets himself so bitter because Jesus isn't doing what Judas thinks he should be doing, and he's not treating people the way that Jesus should be treating people. Bitterness sets in. And it says, from that day forward, he looked for an opportunity. My mom asked if I'd go and pull a bunch of bushes up because they were dead. Some were obviously dead. And then there were some that were half green. And I'm like, do I pull that one out or do I don't? It's partially dead, but it's not fully dead. What, what, it looks, it look, it's going to make a comeback. It's going to make a comeback. I'm just going to leave that one there. And then I'm like, nah. I'm in the mood for destruction. You ever find that? Like, you just got to break something. It's one of those days. I'm being honest with you guys. I'm like, heaven forbid anyone to get in my way today because I'm swinging an axe. Like, it's, it's Peter in the garden taking ears off. And, and so, like, I, I, I pull one out, pull two out, and I'm like, you know what? Why not? Let's just see how, let's how, see how deep these roots are. Popped right out. And, and I realized something, Eric. I, I, I realized in that moment, the plant was dead. All the green stuff around it was vines of a weed. And what it was doing, it was masquerading itself as life in that plant. Just because something looks like it's life doesn't actually mean it's life. Uh, go back to Genesis chapter 3. God says, don't eat of their fruit. And it says that Eve looked and said, the fruit looked good. In other words, her eyes of goodness were bigger than God's words of wickedness. And what happens in our lives so many times is that we allow our eyes to determine 
what we feel is right and what we feel is good and what we feel is righteousness. And the entire time we don't realize that everything good on the inside is dying and all the green that we want to call a bush and all the green that we want to call life is nothing but a weed that is choking the life out of everything around us. Because weeds aren't happy until everything is dead. And the Bible looks at us and says, it's the small foxes. Can I tell you, you don't get destroyed because of the huge temptations. It's the small things. It's cut that corner. The boss won't know if I'm five minutes late. They won't know if I take an extra 20 minutes on my lunch. They're not there half the time anyways. I mean, my God, he takes a three-hour lunch break. Why can't I take an hour and a half? He's not going to be here. And she's never going to check that paperwork. I'll just scribble it down. I'll cut that corner. I'll, I'll, I'll skip that step. I'll do these small things. And what you don't realize is that every moment of our lives, weeds are looking for places to grow. perpetually looking for good soil. The Bible tells us a man went to sow seed. Some was on rocky, some was on good ground, and some was on thorny, and the birds came and took some, and, and we're seeing all this. Well, can I tell you, a bad farmer is doing the exact same thing. He's throwing out seed. Will they bite? To Eve, it was just one piece of fruit. But to every generation after her, it was destruction. Her weed grew to where we are today. Your weeds have consequences. And the crazy part is, is it may not be in your life, but it will manifest itself in future generations, I promise. And some of the best things you could ever do is not set up millions of dollars as a trust fund but to be a gardener for your family and pluck the weeds that are currently there. Looking at your child and saying, that's a weed in your garden. You're lying to me on a regular basis. That's a, that's a weed. Let's, let's pluck that one out. Your disobedience, that's a weed we're going to pluck out. The fact that you talk back to, elders, to, to leadership, to, to, to who we are as parents, that's a weed we're going to pluck out. It got tense. I don't know. Why did it get so tense? It, your job as a parent is to continually be a gardener over your kid's life. You're not a bad parent because you point out things that need to change. I'm going to be 40 in a couple of months. And if my mom is still doing my laundry because I don't know how, there's a problem. That, that's a problem. And we're seeing this generation of, of parents roll through and go, I just want my kids to be happy. Can I tell you, I want my kids to be happy too. But sometimes not being happy when they're eight makes them happy when they're 28. Y'all, we're playing a long game, not the short game. Steve, I lied. It's a weed in my garden. (laughs) 
I'll paraphrase the rest. How about that? What was Peter's message? He looks at everyone and says, Hey guys, this happened for a reason. We're in the spot that we're at for a reason. Judas was their brother. We, we have this idea of just, forget him, but he was their brother for years. He didn't just betray Jesus. He betrayed them too. Family has a way of having knives that cut deeper than other people, huh? And, and, and we're watching this, and one thing that we forgot is they emotionally were betrayed by Judas too. Can't believe he did that. Can't believe he put us in this situation. I wonder if they ever felt guilty for missing him. I wonder if they ever look back and be like, they would have inside jokes. Like, we, we have this idea of the apostles being spiritual men all the time. Peter surely wasn't. But I wonder if they reminisce when they did that. Yeah, and Judas. He was one of them. And Peter announces it. It happens exactly the way it needs to happen. Men and brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. For it is written, Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let another find his office. Therefore, of these men, dot, 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 He's referring to Psalm 69, 25, let his habitation become a desolate place and let there be no one to live in it. And Psalm 109, 8, let his office, let another take his office. And I've asked myself, why are these verses in here? It seems like we just shifted gears out of nowhere. Jesus says to go and preach the gospel. We're going to go to Jerusalem. We're in the upper room. We're praying. We're seeking God's face. We're doing our things. And a couple of verses from now, the Holy Spirit shows up. But in between the Holy Spirit manifesting himself and in their waiting, they have to have a discord, a, a, a conversation, if you will, about Judas. It doesn't fit. They're writing a story that just doesn't fit. Like, there was no need for this. We know what happened to Judas. There was no missing gap in the story. So why? Why would it be here? And I, and I, and I kind of came, came to the obvious answer. We have that, should have had a V8 moment? And this is one of those things for me. Uh, it, it was there because it had to be there. It had to be there because what it's telling us is thousands of years before Judas ever did anything, God wants his people to know, I saw it before he was even created. In other words, I was in charge 
all the way back there. I am in charge today, and I will be in charge tomorrow. Nothing slips past me. Nothing moves. What you see is the verse, the word that gets me every time, had to. He had to. The reason I have a hard time a lot of, with, with a lot of things that go on is because we have this idea that God only promotes comfortable things. The kicker of it all, and this still hurts my head, and this is where we get into some great debates. We're not going to do it today. Did God go into the future and go, this is what he's going to do, so I'm going to proclaim it in the past? Or did he proclaim it in the past, which made it happen in the future? Because sometimes there's a gap between the promise and the fulfillment. And for thousands of years, God made a promise that he sat on until it was time. Can I tell you, you're living in the in-between right now. We started off this message with prayer. We're going to end it with this idea. You are currently in the space between the promise and the fulfillment. Because Jesus told us he's coming back. He's coming back to Jerusalem. The two men who were standing there in Acts 1 says that he will come back the same way he left. In other words, I'm promising you this will take place. Has it happened? No. You are in the in-between. You're in the in-between of a promise God made for humanity. You are in the, you're the in-between that God made a promise in your personal life. You're in the in-between that God made a promise potentially to your grandparents that there will be a group of their descendants that will serve God. You are continually walking in the in-between of promise and fulfillment and how you carry yourself in the in-between will determine whether or not you see the fulfillment in your lifetime. We'll end there. Heavenly God, we are so excited to see what you're going to do in this earth, to see what you're going to do in our lives. God, if there are weeds in our garden that are, that are choking us out in the in-between times, Heavenly God, we ask for the prayer of revelation to take place. Let it be revealed in our personal lives, God. Tell us where we need to pluck weeds today. Maybe we need to pluck weeds in our thoughts or in our giving and our time. Maybe we need to pluck thoughts in our, in our conduct and our deeds and our, our, our language. Maybe we need to, to work on our finances or whatever it may be, the weeds, the small things that we continually let take part of our lives that are choking us out from the good things. God, in the in-between times, let us see your will in our lives clearly. Let us grab the tools needed today to pull up the weeds, to have hard conversations, first with ourselves. God, let us see us clearly. 
and our frailties and all the wickedness that we have in our hearts, God, that we can change to be more like you. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.